You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. The artist that I've got served up for your listening pleasure is Lindsay Dick. The reason for the conversation is to promote Catharsis' brand new album. That's the band that Lindsay is the drummer and percussion in. It's called Revolve, and it is out right now. And today's date is the 20th of August 2019, so go get it. Fantastic hard rock fair. Let's have a listen to what Lindsay has to say. Here we go. Lindsay, Andy McKay-Smith calling for our chat. How are you going? Andy, very well. Thanks. Yourself? Good, mate. First of all, really appreciate you uh, being able to accommodate the change in schedule, mate. It's uh, most appreciated, believe me. No worries at all. You know, Mate, what's the day held for you up until this point? Of course, this is going to be the highlight of your day, but what else, what else has been going on? I uh, went along to work today, uh, which was like as it tends to be, um, and since I got back from there, I've been walking the dogs, did another interview while I was doing that, Cool. and now I'm attempting to go for a run, um, but I've realised I can't do that at the same time as an interview, <laughs> so excuse me if I lose, if I am I'm panting a little bit as, <laughs> as we do this. No, it's good to hear, mate. You know, I did my fitness today. I swim, because I hate running, to be honest uh, with you. It's one of those things. Just... I... I yeah, How do you yeah go? I hate swimming, so... There you go. There you go. Well, mate, look, I've got to tell you, I've had a few listens to Revolve, and this is what I heard, okay? So it's an album that carries the great tradition of post-millennial Ozprog forged through heavy metal in the vein of The Butterfly Effect, Full Scale, Carnival, and Cog. Now, mercifully, this is where I think you've, what you, where you've really gone right, the album doesn't have those overblown and drawn-out segments that, honestly, I can't understand why so many of the bands, including the bands that I've mentioned, put in their music. Because most people in this day and age with Spotify playlists, I'm talking about just from a marketing perspective and from the perspective that people want more immediacy. You guys have done yeah. that. So you don't have those long intros and that spoken word nonsense, which is meant to sound... It's all a hangover from the 60s, I think, a lot of that shit. But, and the other thing too, mate, the vocals is very strong. It's got a 90s killing joke vibe about it. And if you know me, mate, I love 90s killing joke. So those are my thoughts. And what are your comments about my thoughts and indeed the album? That is awesome. That is exactly what we were aiming for um, and cool. exactly what we wanted to achieve with it. So, I mean, obviously we came from that, that millennial Ozfrog scene, as you say. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's all of our favourite bands growing up. Um, but you realise that it's more of a challenge to write a three-minute song than it is to write a seven-minute song. So that's what we really challenged ourselves to do is to, to make something which has uh, something with choruses, something that's catchy, something that's heavy, and and uh, and really putting a focus on the, on the vocal side as well. So uh, Gary, our vocalist, worked exceptionally hard on this album. He basically relearned how to sing to put it together. Shit. Um, and it was a, our, our producer, Matt, who I've worked with with a few different projects, is a, um, he's a particularly gun when it comes to working with vocalists, and he, he works them very hard. So it was uh, really great to see the end result come through there. So, yeah, those, those two points, and that, that was exactly what we were aiming for, so that's fantastic to hear. Yeah, it, it really is. It's a, it's a bloody good album, mate. I've got to hand it to you guys on this one here. I think people, when they're listening to me talk on the podcast series, you know, I do tend to um, be very enthusiastic in my support of bands. But look, I don't say it unless I mean it, okay? I'm not being inauthentic and insincere by saying it's a really good album. And honestly, it's the best thing that I've heard 
uh, in terms of a lot of this Oz music, this Oz heavy metal scene, Oz proc stuff, in years. Uh, probably since the first Dead Letter Circus album in 2009, to be honest with you. That's how good it is as far as my my tastes are concerned, you know. But um, th- there's a lot... Oh, mate, that's fantastic to hear. That uh, the first Dead Letter album is an absolute stone-cold classic. So you know that's, the one uh, I'm talking about. Yeah, awesome to hear it. Yeah. Sure, yeah, I gave that one a few spins. I think I saw them in... Uh, first time they came over to Perth, I think it was me, my brother, who's also in Carcassie, and about two other people. So, um, yeah, no, I, that's, that's a, uh, a, to be compared to them is, is very flattering. Sweet, yeah. And, and there's a, look, there's a lot going on on album, but you've managed to do um, that thing that I think really good songwriters can do. You've managed to make a lot sound like a little. And that's, the Beatles did it. Rolling Stones did it, Metallica did it, Iron Maiden did it, you know, but you guys have done it as well, mate. I know there's a big compliments, but I do genuinely mean them, you know. Everything about this album's on point. The artwork's great. Um, you know, your drum sound, I'll talk to you a bit more detail about that coming up because I'm a musician, I'm a bass player, and I listen intently to a, a drummer's performance. So you've done really well there. But, um, you know, when you guys were recording it, did you have it demoed beforehand so you knew exactly how what you wanted to achieve or did you a lot of this evolve in the studio so to speak no this one was very planned out so this one was written in large part uh on computer uh so a few of the songs came together in the jam room but uh that's i think two out of the the songs that ended up on the album worked out that way the rest were very structured every beat every bar we were really hard on ourselves and does this need to be here um, before we went into the studio, um, Jack, our bassist, is a, um, is a sound engineer himself, so he knows what he's doing, and we tracked it, you know, multi-track, uh, really good quality demos before we went into the studio, um, listened to that for a couple of months, again, tore it to pieces, picked everything apart, mm. and then by the time we got into the studio, it was we could really focus on, on getting the best performances because we weren't spending all of our let's be honest, expensive time in the studio, you know, messing around with trying to work out what guitar lead works because we'd already tried 10 and we'd worked out which one we'd like the best. Nice. And it's that sort of pre-production that I don't think a lot of bands realise they need to do in order to create the finished product. They think that a lot of it can evolve in the studio. Like, you know, I've already mentioned the Stones and the Beatles, like George Martin's, you can dump all of this shit on George Martin's consoles metaphorically speaking, and the producer or the engineer will figure it out. It's bullshit. It doesn't work like that these days. You actually do have to turn up to a studio when you're paying for it with the finished product basically done. Okay, there are things that you discover through the process, but by and large, if you haven't got it done, to my ears, you can hear it. That's why I figured that you'd had a lot of it sorted during pre-production because it's a very complete-sounding album. There's a lot of intent when I listen to the album, I hear a lot of intent in what you guys are doing. Everything's done on purpose, you know, so... Well, that's so, awesome, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, that was very much the, the structure. I mean, even when I was putting together the drum parts or when we were putting together what sort of tones we were working for, it was very much, you know, we realised the loudest thing on the album was going to be the guitars. Hmm. Um, and that, that were going to take up a lot of space, so I deliberately didn't play a lot as far as the drums go. or left a lot of space there for it. Uh, and the bass did likewise. So it, it was it was a really conscious effort start to finish, and that's yeah, it's awesome that, that you can hear that. What about your drums then? Let's talk about this now, because I'm very impressed with your drumming, and I can. There's a lot of tasty groove. There's a, a real tasty groove there through your drumming um, in that uh, thank you. you can nod your head because of the drumming. 
And I'm really glad that you mentioned that the bass player and yourself worked as a team, so to speak, or, you know, my words here, but you guys worked as a team. And you were able to figure out, okay, if we want to make the, the, the loudest thing on here, the drums, that means that we've got to pull back a little bit for the benefit of the album because there is that tendency, and you guys are good musicians, I can hear that, for good musicians to want to be heard. But in your case here, you figured out for the best of, for the benefit of the album, let's just do what needs to be done here. Let's put the guitars front and centre. So mate, the, the, the obvious question about the execution then is mic techniques. So did you really dive deep into setting up the mics in certain ways so you could achieve certain sounds with the drumming? All right, I'll do my best to remember what happened in the studio. <laughs> um, yes, so there was a lot of that. Um, we were in at an awesome studio called uh, Sumo here in Perth which is just a gorgeous room. Um, and in there, I had the pleasure of playing a Sonor Designer kit, which is a, about 10 grand's worth of drum. Um, so that thing just sounds phenomenal to start with. And then from there, um, again, Matt, our producer, he's a, he's, a, he's a vocal guy and he's a drum guy. So it, there was a lot of experimentation there. Um, you know, making, making samples from the, from the hits that we were doing, um, working them back in as required. Uh, I think we had a microphone in the hallway uh, outside, which was cranked. The gain was absolutely cranked on that. So it ended up sounding like this cool, almost kind of bit crushed sound, which is actually in a reasonable amount of the album, just sitting in the background, adding a bit of texture there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I guess the other focus that, that Matt really worked on with me was he was telling me to hit hard. So, I mean, I, I hit reasonably hard anyway, but as far as really opening the drums up and really getting that big room sound, you do kind of need to belt the crap out of them to make that happen. So that was a, yeah, that was, that was a real, um, yeah, again, uh, it, was, it, was, it made it harder work as well, getting through those tracks, you know, playing everything twice as hard as what you're used to. Mm -hmm. But the drum sound in the end, I think, I think works out. And particularly given that a lot of what I'm playing on there is, you know, reasonably, I'm probably still overplaying a bit, but compared to what I've done before, anyway, uh, it was a much uh, they're much more sparse parts, so you've got a, you've got a bit more room to fill. Who are you influenced by as a drummer? I know there's there's probably heaps of them, but who's the guy or girl or who is it that you really sort of focus on when you were focused on when you were growing up learning how to play drums? Josh Freese. So nice. he was. Yeah. He's yeah, a perfect circle. Uh, mm. He was playing drums for Nine Inch Nails when I was really into Nine Inch Nails. He's played drums on the background in you know dozens of albums, which he doesn't get credited for because the drummers of those bands don't want it known that someone else came in and played the drums. But that's a yeah, really good as point. Far as what you just yeah, said, then, just, yeah, is a really interesting point because I know for a fact that he's done that, and, St and Steve Lukather. I think I don't want to talk out of turn here because I know none of it's official, but there are all these wonderful musicians like Josh that you talk about that actually you don't realise you've heard their drumming or their guitar playing, but you have because a lot of these guys in so-called big bands can't play their own shit. That's it, and it's I mean, look, as a drummer, you get a lot of what you a lot of what you're recording ends up getting fed to a computer to a greater or lesser extent anyway, so you can't be too precious about it. But um, at least on, on this album, I was, yeah, going in because I knew exactly what every note was going to be and, and Matt knew exactly what every note was going to be. Um, there is a lot of me that's ended up on there um, cool. as opposed to yeah, some, some other things I've done where it's 
you got you get a drum part down that's eighty percent of the way there, and then you feed it to a computer to fix up the fix up the rest, which is fine, but uh, it's a bit of a different vibe. Cool. Hey, just just talking about lyrical themes. Uh, if you can answer this question about lyrical themes, you might not have written the lyrics, but can you talk on behalf of the lyricist about what the lyrics are about on the album? Yeah, I, I wrote a, I wrote some of the lyrics, so I can I can cool. try my best. Um, it's yeah, it's not not a concept album per se, but all that we were focusing on throughout the whole thing was making something that hung together and something that was uh, had had a unified unified theme, unified approach musically and also also lyrically. So a large part of what we're talking about is, I guess, frustration with where things are at. Um, you know, as a as someone of someone of around our age growing up, you know, in, in this in, in the world that got sold to you one way and then you get to the stage you can start influencing things and you realize that uh, all that you were told doesn't apply anymore. Um, and you know, that, that applies on the, on the, the broader sense, but also on the, on the some of the more personal uh, matters. So yeah, it, it was, it's all going to the idea of, I guess, futility and frustration, which is, um, not not a particularly uh, fun thing to to uh, talk about, I recognise, but it it's, it it does make uh, good fodder for angry music. And if you can, you know, it, it's a slightly more nuanced thing, I guess, rather than just you know shouting for the sake of it. Is 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 the idea of why exactly why exactly are you having these are you having these thoughts and hmm. what about it? in yourself is, is causing is causing the problem and kind of examining that. So, sorry, you can probably tell I don't write many lyrics by that uh, explanation, but... Um, no, that's generally, fair enough, yeah. Generally frustration, let's go with that. Mm. Well, I'll tell you something, it sounds like as though it links in really nicely with the album artwork, because this is some of the album artwork of the year, I've got to tell you. You know, I mean, it's, it's simple from the perspective that the image, uh, it, you can grasp it in, in just a couple of looking at it once or twice but i've got it up yep. in front of me now and for the listener okay it's a fairly long snake about to bite its own tail um if i didn't know better i'd say there was uh there was uh number five in you know that stroke you know one two three four and then cross it out done four times which I, and so i'll ask you about the meaning of that first so why is the number five on there it's not always five it's uh six and seven a few times around as well um it's it's the idea of uh-huh. counting the days, you know. What are you? At, at, at what point you spend a lot of time working towards something, whether that be you know crossing days off the calendar or you're crossing days off. I guess what's the classic one? Your prison cell, right? Mm. Um, and it, it's all working towards this goal, and you can get so caught up in spending your time getting obsessed with the working towards something that you either lose track of what you were going for in the first place or the actual pursuit becomes the, the thing that you were looking for in the first place. So that's, uh, yeah, and, and then again, that's, that's you know, the, the way that you can perceive a situation. Now, please tell me you've got this artwork organised for some uh, merch, some T-shirts and that sort of thing, and maybe even a band flag. We're working on shirts, yes. So we'll, we'll drop ship it um, with the, the shirts. So a variety of different designs, it'll be something that we're working on now 
I should probably add as well, the um, the artwork was all done by Tyson, our guitarist. So he, he he put that thing together from scratch um, and, yeah, did an absolutely phenomenal job. So, yeah, it, it's nice to be able to to keep these sorts of things in-house uh, for someone who's, you know, been involved in the process the entire time and can, and can capture what we're going for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep, indeed it is, yeah. What about touring and promo then because uh, you guys are from Perth correct me if I'm wrong have you we are yeah yeah so Perth has got a great scene believe me it's one of the best scenes in Australia for for any sort of music I've got to say because I the vast majority of interview subjects I get that are Australian based are through Firestarter through Lee and Firestarter and I've said it before I've said it many times on the podcast series I'm yet to hear something that's uh, distributed through Firestarter from Perth that I haven't found something that I like about it you know it might not always be to my taste in terms of the genre of music but i always find something that i like and you guys are are, i mean i'm a heavy music fan i'm a heavy metal fan so you guys are right up my alley and you guys have got a great album that i know i'm going to be listening to for a long time to come but mate therein lies a bit of the problem how the hell do you get people to listen to this given that it's such a a cluttered digital scene on facebook on twitter on instagram this sort of stuff um apart from spending tens of thousands of dollars promoting it via boosting ads and paying for advertisements on facebook's facebook how do you guys plan on spreading the good word well i guess that's that's it right you can you can spend all that money and all that time and all that effort in you know putting putting money towards it and you end up not with a a heap, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of really, really good bands out there. Um, everyone's got access to everything all the time. So it's not, you're not competing to be the best band in Perth. Uh, you're competing to be the best band in the world. You know, it's either people can either listen to us or listen to Norma Jean, you know, and Norma Jean are pretty bloody good. So it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely, it's definitely a huge problem. And it's one that, you know, that I, that we haven't really worked out a solution to but equally it's it's the idea that you need to I, I think be realistic with it and you know the the, the more you kind of gig around and, and, and meet people and, and end up you know playing shows with, with these bands that you have a, a heap of respect for and that you you know see doing really really well you realise it doesn't get easy at any point. There's no, there's no point at which you know you say, "Oh, you've made it now," and everything becomes easy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just really bloody hard work the whole way through. And I mean, that's, I, I hate to pin it on one thing, but uh, it's probably the fact that people don't buy CDs, um, and you need to be the effort input to required to, to get people to hear your music. Uh, and the amount of competition out there is is, is quite staggering. So, yep. look at the end of the day, we're making this. Uh, we we make the art, we make the music because it's something that we can't not do. I think, and you get to a certain point, you've done it a few times, and you really you can't make you you can't be happy doing something that you think is shit. So that means that you have to spend the time and you have to make something and. Eventually, you know, if, if everything works out okay, you, you make something that you can be really proud of. And, you know, if it, if it gets out there and if people hear it, then that's uh, that's obviously the ideal situation. Uh, but if not, I mean, a lot of, uh, yeah, a, a lot of, you know, music that I absolutely love 
is is from bands that you know had a lot of always had a lot of trouble getting it out there, and it, it doesn't make the music any worse. It's, there's there's a certain uh, there's a certain joy in finding something which uh, a few other people have. Mm. Yeah, really well put and agreed wholeheartedly on that one. There, there are so many bands that. I get into and I don't consider it my own little personal club but I really enjoy converting people and telling people about them you know you guys are absolutely wonderful. yeah you know and that's 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 what that's word of mouth grassroots I think it's almost gone back to the way the music industry was back in the 50s or 60s okay so you got your leading lights you got your in 2019 you've got your I don't even know the names of them. I know what they look like, but God, what's the um, <laughs> Ariana Grande type artists? You know those sort of ones. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> you got those ones that dominate. I'm not sure there's much overlap in the fans, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they dom- the point is, is they dominate all the retail, all of the media retail, so to speak. So whether you're looking online at say Rolling Stone or what have you, you're going to see five or six artists appear repeatedly. Drake. Meek Mill, all this sort of shit. You're going to see all this stuff. And I think when people find your band, it's going to be like um, when they used to discover maybe when Black Sabbath first came out, didn't have a big buzz around them, that sort of thing. It's going to be something that's really important for them. And then word spreads that way. And I think that's very true for all of heavy metal and hard rock these days. It's really a fan-driven thing. Eddie Trunk tweeted recently that I think they... I saw the post. The Grammys, I think it was at the Grammys. I don't want to misspeak here, but... The Grammys or some sort of a society like there's something really, you know, prevalent, put it that way, put it out there about which band or song did they want to see voted best band or best song. Not a single rock or hard rock artist. You, you expect that these days, but the stupid idiots, excuse my language, but these in the same week that Slipknot made the number one in the US for an album. Yeah their new one they've totally got their finger off the pulse they don't understand what fans want you know they can try to kick down heavy metal and rock and roll from the, an industry perspective but the fans love it the fans dig it and the fans will eventually find the music i just hope that it's enough people enough people find you guys whilst you're still creating music because i think that's the issue these days is bands have two or three killer releases a couple of albums and an ep or the other way around whatever it might be then, of course, you get married and you have kids and you've got to sort of put that by the wayside and a whole bunch of people find out about you. I know I know that happens to a lot of bands. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's happened to one that I'm in. So, it's <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the, the point is, uh, if you just don't, if you can spend your time, you know, being, being comfortable with the idea that you don't have to, you know, make an album, every, you don't have to put out an album every year, you don't have to play a whole bunch of shit shows which take a whole heap of effort you don't need to jam every week you know it's just mm. if you can just keep on creating then i think there's there's value in that and then you can keep on making you know making a, a product which people can can really connect with i mean i think guitar music is has you know it, it's definitely out of fashion um, you know, for for all that there's a you know, as you say, Slipknot went number one, Tool will go number one when Absolutely. they put their album out. Yeah. Um, but they're two bands who started putting out albums. I mean, when was Opiate released? Like ninety six? I'm oh, very early, 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 ninety early. two. Opiate's ninety two. Ninety two. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I was two years old. How about that? Um, <laughs> like that. I remember these, when it came out. Been... <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, I'm in my forties. Um, that's life. <laughs> my my parents weren't much into tools, so they never uh, they never got me into it. Um, but <laughs> you know, that's it, it's these are the these are the guys who've been around for a very very long time, and and 
the people who are into it are still the people who really, you know, it, it's it's a it's an identity. It's part of the identity for the fans there. Right. Yeah. And I don't think anyone cares that you know Tool took whatever fifteen years to put out an album. I think it's a great thing. I mean, yeah, I think it's a great thing that they took yeah, their time. Yeah. The album's still good. I mean, I listened to Lateralis for the first time in five years the other day, and, and it was. I figured I'd write down my reactions just because I hadn't heard it because it was not on Spotify. And I ended up just coming away saying, like, look, I can kind of, you know, you can see the strings a little bit more. You can see see what they're doing. But it's still a bloody good album. You know, it's it's it doesn't stop being good. And you don't have to be churning stuff out for it to be, you know, to, to be making uh, valuable music that people enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed, yeah. Mate, I better wrap things up, but before we do, we do tell the listeners, where can they listen to this album? This is an important album for people listening. If you love hard rock, heavy metal in 2019, this is what it sounds like, okay, what these guys have done here. So, Lindsay, can you tell people where they can find you guys, where they can purchase product and where they can listen? You can find us on all of the uh, various streaming platforms, your Apple Music, your Spotify, etc., etc., um, the, the best for us is on Bandcamp, uh, bandcamp.com slash or something like that, cartacy.bandcamp.com. Um, that's the platform which helps out artists the most. It's where you can buy the album, uh, you get it in all your various fancy lossless quality, et cetera. Um, and, and that's, that's where we try to send people. Um, so if, if you, if you do want to listen to it, uh, that would be, uh, that, that would be the best, best for us. But mm. realistically, as long as it's getting out there, um, if you like it, let us know, and, and that's 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 the important thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, hard rock and heavy metal fans are very loyal, so listen to the man, people. Go to Bandcamp, because I agree, Bandcamp's phenomenal. Okay, It gives you the best rate of return, and it's also a really convenient way for fans to interact and uh, listen to music as well. So, you know, your Facebook page, your Twitter page, they're all good, but in terms of actually uh, supporting the artist, go to Bandcamp. Yeah, and and that that's true for us, and true for you know a lot of uh, a lot of other bands out there are doing some really cool things with it. There's uh, one British band, not not a not a rock band, but they're kind of doing uh, electronic stuff called Sixty Five Days of Static, and they have a they have a monthly subscription sort of format where it's they'll give you an EP of, of music every month if you sign up for the annual subscription on Bandcamp. So. Okay. Maybe that's the way that maybe that's the way the industry goes. Maybe that's what happens when uh, people stop buying albums is people start investing in subscriptions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sure. Patreon, it's all happening now. I haven't done it myself with the podcast series, but I know a lot of people who have, and it's very successful because it's a way of cutting out the middleman, if you like, the retail aspect of it, and just giving direct support to the artist or the podcaster or whoever it might be. So, but mate, look, you've got. This album is the real deal, by the way. I don't, I don't say what I don't mean. You know what I mean? It's I don't. I say what I mean is sorry, what I'm saying, and it's a great album. Good luck with it. Good luck with the promotion of it, and long may you continue to be able to create music like this. Thanks very much, mate. I really appreciate it. No worries. What I'll do from here is, if you're happy with everything, I'll just post it up unedited. That's how my podcasts tend to be, and I'll um I'll just put it up on Facebook and on Twitter and just link you guys in. You know, do the at Carthacy. I'll just put you guys in there and. That way you can find it, or I'll send it to you as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Sorry about the traffic noise at the start, but uh, you know, oh, it's all good. I was waiting for the <laughs> I was waiting for the we're going to start in five, and then we just sort of started. So no, it's, it's, it's podcast, mate. It honestly, I, and the reason I do that is because I've had too many people get nervous, and that's the last thing. Yeah, right. You know, and better uh, just to sort of kick it off. And if I've even had one person have a panic attack before, believe it or not, that didn't go to air, of course. But uh, I uh, poor bastard. Oh, that's what I thought, man. I've had a panic attack too, man, and they're fucking awful. Excuse my language, but and not uh, fun. No, but, it isn't, yeah. mate. But no, you did well, mate. It's a, a great interview, great album. You're a great drummer. Keep on doing what you're doing. <laughs> Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Thanks, brother. All right, talk to you later. Cheers. I'll see you again. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was Lindsay Dick, the drummer and percussionist and Perth-based outfit, Catharsi. Thanks so much for listening.